we thought we would have somewhat of a combination here this morning of, uh, of a sermon, as well as uh, sharing about our time together in Guatemala. And uh, this is the first time that Ellen and I have done something like this together. Um, I'll be preaching, she'll be doing the sharing, okay? So... Uh, <laughs> But um, whenever you're involved in, in going overseas, which we've done, this is Ellen's first time, really my second time, you do things uh, that are a bit out of your comfort zone, and uh, you have to learn how to trust the Lord, and so um, today we are doing something that we've not done before. Uh, Ellen is not used to being up in front of adults, she prefers the children, but we're going to do the best we can here this morning. Um, we uh, we want to begin with something that it was quite humorous to us, and uh, there are a number of things that are humorous that happen as you uh, go along the way. I think the Lord gives these to you just to encourage you, but uh, this was a very large downtown church in Hoyava, and uh, there with us are the Rollers, who are the founders and the directors of Send Me. And next to them is Pastor Andreas and uh, his wife, and then on the end is his daughter. And Pastor Andreas is up in his upper 70s. Uh, his daughter's about 51 years old, and so he's up in his upper 70s. But you cannot believe the energy that this man showed as we arrived. This was probably... Uh, the most enthusiastic welcome in this very large church with a very large auditorium. And so um, he was speaking in Quiche, so obviously we didn't know anything that he was saying, but he said something that uh, when we later found out what it was, we got quite a chuckle out of it. And I'm going to let Ellen tell you what he said. Well, everybody else laughed, so we knew it must have been something kind of funny. And he was very energetic. Um, but he said, um, these people are white, chubby, <laughs> good-looking, and happy, so welcome them. <laughs> that was what they were laughing at. And we didn't know, we just laughed with them. <laughs> and he said, they have no idea what I'm saying, so I can get away with it. <laughs> And so uh, he said something very touching at the end of uh, the service. Uh, one of the things that I had tried to do, we were in five churches. There was a sixth that wanted us to come, but we were unable to uh, meet the deadline for our flight out, and so we couldn't be at the sixth church. But I tried to honor each pastor in the, each church and let them know how much I appreciated and honored them for their ministry. And then I wanted to recognize and honor Ellen, who was with me. And uh, Pastor Andreas, at the close of, of the message time, got up and he said to me, thank you for loving your wife. And that was so touching. And um, uh, this being Ellen's first time, our missionary said, just her being there in support of her husband was a message all in itself uh, to these congregations and to these believers. So uh, what we would like to do here is talk about uh, some spiritual lessons that we learned in Guatemala. And there are three of them. And we'll just see uh, how the time goes and whether we have the opportunity to get to all three or not. And so uh, we'll just uh, see how things go here. Um, but... 
Uh, here is uh, the very first lesson, and we were in uh, the county of Kiche. It's called Kiche because a large number of the people speak Kiche. Some of them, that's the only language they know. And then others, particularly the children, um, also understand Spanish. And so wherever we went, our translator had to decide, do I speak in Quiche, do I speak in Spanish? Um, or in our conference on Friday, she spoke in uh, both languages. And we'll talk a little bit more about Juana in just uh, a few moments. But this would be northwestern um, of the 22 counties in Guatemala. This would be one of the ones that is in the northwest uh, section, not far from uh, the Mexico border. So here's the first lesson we would like to share this morning, and that is that world missions is an urgent need. Uh, this is uh, the ten of us who were living in the home with George and Tammy Roller. Uh, they have a large, uh, large home uh, with, I think, six bedrooms and a number of bathrooms, a very spacious kitchen and dining area. And so uh, the interesting thing about this is Tammy has been ill pretty much all summer, um, a number of issues that she's dealing with. Yet in spite of that, they have these four orphans that they've taken in and then these four guests that they have taken in. And it just reflects their dedication to the ministry and to the people who are coming down to help them. I'm going to ask Ellen if she might identify uh, the guests and then she wants me to pronounce the four uh, children's names. Because I kept saying them wrong. Um, but there's George and Tammy. George is on the steps there, and Tammy's the blonde down below. Next to George is Mike. Mike came in on the same flight that we did. He's from St. Louis. Um, he's friends of the Rollers. They go to the same church in St. Louis when they're there. And this is, I think, his fifth time being there to help. Really nice guy. And um, then next to Tammy is June. June is around 70 years old. Um, she is a missionary in China. She um, teaches English in a university not too far from North Korea. Um, sweet lady. Um, she had to be out of China for six months, and because she knew the rollers, she came down there for 90 days and actually left on the same day that we did. And then, of course, then there are the four kids who are the orphans sweet kids and was hard for us to say goodbye to them, but you can tell about them. Uh, the oldest, Delila, is 20, and we want to pray for her because she is going to be the official guardian, and they have a, uh, an, an appearance in court, I believe on Tuesday, for her to become the, the guardian of her siblings. Uh, then the uh, tallest boy there is Estuardo. He's 14. Next to him is Yesily. And then uh, the little five-year-old is Josue, and we'll have a little bit more to talk about some of the challenges that these kids face, and uh, just uh, the amazing thing that the Rollers are doing in inviting them into their lives, essentially now as a second family, that they will be raising, the Rollers raise their own two children in the U.S., and now raising them um, in Hoyava. Um, you know, I, I wanted to just mention this to you as we uh, got ready to go. I had stopped into the barbershop here in Marquette. 
uh, to get a haircut before we left. And whenever I get into the barber chair, the barber generally says to me, well, what's new? And so I said, well, we're going on a mission trip to Guatemala, and we'll be doing mission work. And he said to me, uh, I don't want you to take this wrong. But he said, with all the needs that are here in the U.S., why would you be going to Guatemala? And I want you to think for a moment, how would you answer that question? Particularly as you're thinking of somebody who is not a Christian and would ask you that question. Now, one of the things we know is the main reason that we do foreign missions is because it's what Jesus commanded us to do. And that's enough for us. This is what Jesus said to do. Here's Matthew 24:14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to how many nations? All nations. And then the end will come. And so we know that this is Jesus' plan. We know that... Uh, The end has been determined by the Father, and His will and purpose for us is to preach the gospel and to take it to all nations, and then when the set time comes and the Father is uh, finished with the age of grace, uh, then Jesus will come. We know that the very last thing that Jesus said to the disciples before He went back to heaven was this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And this is not only a New Testament commandment, but it's also found in the Old Testament. I I like this prayer in verse uh, 1 and 2 of Psalm 67, because it links why we call upon God to be gracious to us and bless us with His purpose in the world. Uh, Look at this prayer. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine on us. And we pray this, don't we? Lord, bless us. Uh, Cause Your face to shine on us. Prosper us. But then notice there's a reason for this. Why do we want God to do this? Well, the so that tells us the purpose or the result so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. And so why does God bless us as believers here in this country? It's because with His blessings, He wants us to be involved in the worldwide mission of making His ways known and bringing His salvation to all nations. And so that's really enough for us um, to be involved in world missions. But another reason why is because we just become aware of how great the need is and how the Lord has blessed us in many cases to be in a position to meet the need. Um, These two faces may be familiar to you. Uh, They will be with us at our missions day in October, and I'm going to ask Ellen to tell you who they are. That's Matt and Sarah Smith. We have uh, been supporting them for quite a while. And uh, we had a really nice time getting together with them. Uh, One of the things that they said to us, and this surprised us, they said the majority of foreign missionaries do not stay long term. In fact, they said the percentage can be as high as 80% who return to the U.S. and never go back to the foreign field. 
And uh, they have become very concerned about this, and so they have developed a new focus in their ministry called Encounter. They'll be telling us about this in October, where they want to come alongside uh, missionary families with um, some special uh, support means so that they can help missionary families stay long-term. And I said to them, um, if what you're saying is true, and I have no reason to doubt you, then we actually need more foreign missionaries, not less. Is that true? And Sarah said to us, yes, it is. In fact, she said what we need is foreign missionaries who will stay for the long haul because she said if you don't stay for the long haul, it is hard to make a long-term distance, a uh, 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 um, long-term difference in a country. She said to learn a foreign language and actually be able to communicate fluently in that foreign language takes about 10 years. So that if you don't have a commitment to stay long term, your impact is going to be very, very minimal. Um, As we uh, thought about this, uh, we had a very interesting encounter in the Guatemala airport. Uh, We had to be there at 3.30 in the morning, though our flight was not leaving till 1.30. And it's because two other of our party were leaving at 6 a.m., so we all need to be at the same time. Well, this family arrived... And uh, they were uh, there about 4 o'clock as well. And uh, um, so we were just so tired. We were looking for a place to sit down. And we sat down next to them. And uh, tell them what we learned about them. Well, we found out they were missionaries um, in Guatemala. Um, She had, her parents were missionaries in Mexico. She grew up as an MK. And they met and got married. And he, they were church planters right there in Guatemala. This is Pastor Adrian and uh, Marissa uh, Hernandez. Their little 18-month-old is Sawyer. I call him K.I. Sawyer, so I can remember his name. And um, when we said to him, what do you do? He said, I'm a Baptist pastor in Guatemala. (laughs) And their flight information got lost. So uh, they were getting ready to go back home. And they were so encouraged to meet us. And this is what Pastor Adrian said to us. He said, Guatemala is a very needy country. And he said, I'm a Baptist pastor, but he said, we want to work with others because he said, we can't reach Guatemala alone. And uh, they left that morning under discouraging circumstances. And if I have an opportunity, I'll, I'll read to you the text that he sent to me that they were so encouraged to meet us and they look forward to meeting the rollers that they might connect as they're doing ministry together in Guatemala. Um, let's, uh, let's move to the conference. This is the conference that we had on um, uh, Friday. Friday. And uh, I like this picture because you can see um, when uh, the conference was first published, um, the rollers thought maybe 25 people would show up. Uh, I was speaking on the subject of the family, and um, I'm no James Dobson by any means, um, but the, uh, uh, the, 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 the need for this and the interest in this was so great that while they were expecting 25, there were over 60 that showed up at the conference. This is in the dining room of uh, the Rollers' home. 
And so there I am at the podium teaching. Uh, here is Juana, who was our tremendous translator. And then you see um, Ellen uh, sitting there in the background. Here's a little more vivid picture of us. Um, and I'm going to ask Ellen to share with you just a moment what she was doing uh, that day in the conference. I ended up running the PowerPoint. You never know what you're going to do. Um, I think he told me that morning, too. He said, I think I need you to run the PowerPoint. I'm like, okay. So, And it was all in Spanish, too, so I had to really pay attention. <laughs> and I think we only had one impatient moment. <laughs> And I was thinking to myself, I'm preaching on marriage here. <laughs> I need to be very, very careful. <laughs> um, so um, one of the things that I uh, started to uh, realize as I was speaking in these churches and at the conference, that one of the ways to tell if people were with me was to uh, see if I could get them to say yes or amen. See. And so, um, so you can see uh, during the conference that there were some times in which they would raise their hand and let me know that they agreed with what we were talking about from the book of Colossians. Um, there was a little opportunity for some question and answer. This man in the center here in the uh, blue shirt, his name is Encarnacion. And he had a very interesting question. He was there with um, what I thought was his wife and his three children. And he, he said, this was his question, he said, if you're not married to your partner, can you be a leader in your church? And I thought, well, that's a pretty simple question. And so, you know, I knew the answer to that one. I said, I said no, you cannot be. I, I said, you know, you have to be an example in order to be a leader. And if you're not married to your partner, um, then you need to get that right uh, before you can be a leader in the congregation. Well, there was a pastor just sitting a little ways from him by the name of Pastor Chepe, and uh, here is Pastor Chepe, who uh, is in the town of Zacalpa. We were there on Thursday night. This is his wife, Rosita, and his two sons. Both of his sons are involved in the ministry. And it was a real delight to meet them. George is very high on Pastor Chepe, but he had been in his church about six months in Zacopa. And, uh, and so he raised his hand, and he was essentially agreeing with me. He said, when I got to the church, there were several couples that I discovered were not married. And he said, I worked with them until several of them now have gotten married. And so I was so very thankful for his affirmation of what I was saying, as well as the ministry that he's carrying out there in Zacopa. Well, then another lady raised her hand and she said, well, I have this question. She said, um, uh, what if you were married to somebody else, but now you're divorced and married to a different person? Can you be a leader in the church? And I took kind of a gulp and I thought, hmm, I'm not quite sure I was ready for questions like this. And I said, well, you know, every case is different. And I said, what I would encourage you to do is to uh, talk with your pastor and um, go with him to the scriptures and have him counsel you because every situation is different. But it was very clear to us. The reason many of these people came is because they had lots of questions in this area. Um, let's move on to another ministry. This is the King Jesus Therapy Center. And uh, Send Me asked the hospital if they could um, bring a physical therapist for children to their hospital 
if they would allow them to remodel this section of the hospital, they would pay for the therapist and run the therapy center. And as you can see, this is in three languages, uh, Spanish, Quiche, and English. This is the only therapist in a town of 20,000. And then think of all the people that live out in the countryside. And uh, this therapist, which I'll show you in a moment, only works with children. So if you are an adult and you need a physical therapist in Hoyava, you have no options. And she will counsel adults, maybe who broke their arm or broke their leg, but that's the extent of what she can do because her hands are full with the children she sees every week. Um, this is the therapist, Yolanda, and she is uh, paid by Send Me. If she was not a part of their mission, there would be no uh, physical therapist in Hoyava. Um, we had gotten acquainted with this little boy, Oscar, and so um, Ellen uh, felt very comfortable in uh, going over to him. And I'm just going to have Ellen tell you what her reaction was as she watched Yolanda working with Oscar. When we met Oscar, Oscar's 12 years old, and he's had seizures, so there's brain damage and stuff. And he was waving his arms, when, of course, when we saw him. He's in a wheelchair, can't talk or anything. And... Um, they said that he screamed a lot. We didn't see that. But the day that we saw him at the therapy place, he was so relaxed when she was working with him and just uh, moving his legs and moving his feet. And he was just, you could just tell that he was just really enjoying it. Yeah, Ellen said to me, it must feel so good to his muscles to be stretched out like this because he is uh, totally wheelchair bound. So it's a, a wonderful ministry that this young Guatemalan is having because of Send Me. Um, I really appreciate this picture because here I am with Estuardo and, and Jose, and this was in our bedroom, and Ellen snapped this picture. And I just want to tell you about these two boys. Estuardo is 14 years old, and his, his parents, both of his parents, abandoned these children. The hospital called the rollers and said, we, we have these four siblings, can you help? And why do they call the Americans? Well, they knew the missionaries would care, and they knew that they would have the resources that if they chose to, they could take these four in and parent them. So the rollers prayed about it and felt the Lord was leading them to bring in these four children. So now it's a second family that, that they are raising. And uh, it's just a tremendous ministry and a tremendous example to the whole community. Estuardo um, was being worked to death by his grandmother on the farm after his parents abandoned him. And he had no education at all. In fact, he was undersized because of malnourishment. He's now starting to grow into a 14-year-old body because of the nourishment that he's receiving. They wanted to find out his educational level, so they started with math, and he got one plus one wrong. So George went across the street, got 20 apples, and began to teach him math with 20 apples. Uh, he's also unable to read. And uh, they have enrolled the children in uh, the Berea Christian School, which was founded by Bill Vasey. And Bill Vasey uh, raises thousands of dollars for this Christian school to operate in Hoyava. And uh, Eduardo has such a desire to learn 
that they think by next term in 2020, he will be able to catch up to the third grade. He's in a third grade class right now, but he's at a kindergarten level, essentially. Uh, Josue was being cared for in uh, essentially a closet by Dalila, his oldest sister, or older sister, and his teeth were so rotted out that when he came to the rollers, uh, I said to them, well, I, I, it's probably fortunate that it was his baby teeth, and they said, well, here was the problem. Uh, the dentist was concerned that infection was going to set in. His teeth were so rotted, and if infection set in, it would be a huge mess. So the dentist decided to do uh, root canals on this little five-year-old boy, and I didn't even know a little child that, that young could have root canals. He had seven root canals. And he's just the happiest little guy you could ever meet. It was hard for us to say goodbye. I wanted to put him in our suitcase and bring him with us. But the life the rollers are giving these kids is unimaginable. One uh, person who's involved in ministry in Guatemala said to them, if you just raise these children to be productive adults who love and follow the Lord, you will have accomplished um, uh, everything that you could hope to accomplish here in Guatemala. Uh, so uh, it, it's just a, a, an unimaginable opportunity for these young kids. Um, this is Julian. And uh, this particular day, I went to the vocational school, which they are able to have because they're renting rooms above the school that uh, Bill Vasey started. So they're allowing them to have these rooms. And Julian is in the culinary school. Uh, Ellen wasn't able to be with me that day, so you're going to see pictures only of me. But um, Julian is hoping to be uh, a chef and open his own restaurant. He made the meal, along with his associates, for our conference. And you should have seen the smile on his face as he came in with the chef's outfit on, with his associates, and they made this just delicious meal, and, um, and he was just beaming at this opportunity to show what he had learned. Now, part of um, his uh, work in the school was he had to develop a, a business plan for what his um, restaurant is going to look like. And this is a model that he made of the restaurant that he hopes to open uh, someday. And it was just exciting to see that. And I wanted to have a picture of it just to show you what's taking place in the vocational school. Um, these next two fellas are in the um, motorcycle repair uh, classes. And so uh, this is a, a room right next to the culinary school. Uh, the fellow in the yellow is an older student. His name is Joaquin. And the young man holding up his business logo is Edgar. And they are learning how to be motorcycle repairists. And they both want to open their own shops. Um, so uh, while I was there... Um, uh, this, the classes for that day were canceled, and so George said he wanted to come and do a lecture on um, uh, developing skills. And so that morning he gave a lecture on mental toughness, and I'll share that in just a moment. Uh, Edgar, who's holding up the sign, um, uh, George asked him, Would you, will you share what your life plan is? So he said, uh, as Juana was translating, um, in 10 years, I want to own a farm. I want to be married. And he said, in three years, I want to have my own motorcycle repair shop. 
And when he was finished, Juana later said to me, when he first came to the school, he was so shy, he wouldn't talk at all. And now for him to share his life plan was a huge step for him. Um, Joaquin also wants to start his own motorcycle repair shop. And here he is in English uh, explaining what a business plan is like. And I won't go into the details of this business plan, but Joaquin is probably in his late 30s, so he's coming back to school uh, as an older adult and overcoming the challenges of doing that. And uh, he was able to explain this in English. What I liked about Joaquin is every time he began to talk about something, the first thing he said was, you've got to have God in your life. And it was so encouraging to hear that and to see the motivation that he has in a culture that often struggles with motivation. Well, that morning, George wanted to teach a lesson on mental toughness. And he said one of the problems in Guatemala is it's very easy for the Guatemalans just to accept the status quo. In fact, he said in Quiche, the language has no future tense. So when you speak in Quiche, you are speaking about what is. You do not speak about what is to come. And the Guatemalans essentially live in the present And they're somewhat encouraged just to sort of accept the status quo and not to think about the future. And so um, Joaquin and Edgar came because they wanted to hear this lecture that George was going to give. And it was a lecture on mental toughness. And uh, he began by talking about his mother, how at 44 years of age, she was a Christian, she was married, and she ended up divorced. And she didn't believe in divorce, she didn't want a divorce, but it happened, and now she was 44, and what was she going to do? And she decided, I'm going to go back to school and become a school teacher. And she did. And then at 55, she decided, I'm going to go back and get a master's degree, and she did. And this so inspired other members of the family that George went back to school, The brother-in-law went back to school, and he's now a pastor of a church of 400. Other members of the family went back to school. And now this family is uh, influencing hundreds of people. And it all goes back to a mother who, in very difficult circumstances, decided, I'm not giving up, I'm not going to make excuses, I'm not going to feel sorry for myself, but I'm going to ask the Lord what I should do, and I'm going to follow His command. And George was saying, as he taught this lesson, if Guatemalans do not have life skills, they might come to know the Lord, but they won't have the skills that are necessary to become a success. And as I listened to the lecture, I thought, boy, this is really encouraging to Joaquin, who's an older student. And then I thought to myself, uh, as I listened to the lecture, uh, boy, I know a few Americans who could use this lecture on mental toughness. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this vocational school exists because Send Me is there. Let's look at the second lesson. The second lesson that we learned is missions must often combine social action with the gospel. Here in America, we have lots of opportunities. We have a social net. There are things that we don't have to do because our government does those things. But in foreign lands, those things are not in place. And so a um, social ministry needs to take place. 
let's just share a little bit about um, how this is taught in Scripture. I said to George, as I look at all the things that Send Me is doing, I said, your ministry is very much like what Jesus did. Look at Acts 10.38. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And why did Jesus have this ministry? Well, it's because the gospel ministers to the whole person. We're not just simply souls that need to be saved. We are also people whom God loves and God cares about our personal lives. And Jesus had a physical ministry as well as a spiritual ministry. And that physical ministry is what prepared and gave a foundation for people to see the love of God and to believe that Jesus was indeed the Savior. And then look what he said to the disciples in Matthew 10, 7 and 8. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But that wasn't all. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Well, why did Jesus give those instructions? Because the disciples' ministry was to be patterned after his. A holistic ministry that met the needs of the whole person and gave a foundation for the receiving of the gospel. And then uh, look at what James, the half-brother of Jesus, said. In James 1.27, he clearly uh, caught what Jesus was doing and teaching. He said, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Uh, George loved to remind us that there are almost 2,000 verses in the Bible that talk about widows and orphans and the responsibility that we have to care for them. And so once again, James is talking about this holistic ministry that often has to take place in missions and then creates a foundation for the acceptance of the gospel. Um, up until the time of the translation of the Jesus film into Kiche. Uh, George and Tammy have largely been involved in the social ministry. But now, he said, for the first time, we're able to do a lot of evangelism. But I said, George, people know what you've been doing here part-time for 10 years. And I say, you have credibility because they have seen what you've been doing for their people. Um, when I first arrived a year and a half ago on the farm, I thought to myself, this doesn't look like much of a farm. And I don't know how this is going to work. And so I asked Ellen, uh, take some pictures of me amongst some of these plants and trees because they've grown exponentially. Uh, what's the uh, plant on the right? Do you remember? I don't remember. Banana? Was that a banana? Yeah, it was a banana, was a banana, banana tree. That was much smaller a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. Here are some other fruit trees um, on the farm where I'm standing, and you can see how they have grown. Um, here we are down uh, near the road. And uh, you can see these fruit trees. I think the one that I'm holding in my hand with Josue is, it's a, lemon. is uh, a lemon tree. And I thought to myself, I've never seen a lemon tree. I do know the lemon tree song, but I've never seen the lemon tree. And so the farm is growing exponentially, and you can begin to see how this has the potential to be a sustainable farm. I took this picture of the three uh, milk cows on the farm. Uh, there they are near the water tower that, uh, that, that um, uh, supplies water to the entire farm. All the milk we drank came from these cows. Mm -hmm. 
all the eggs that we uh, ate came from the chickens on this farm. And they're producing plenty of milk for the people that will eventually live on this farm. Um, this uh, unit for the widows was very special to me because when we were down there a year and a half ago, this was um, uh, the place where I first learned to use a pickaxe. And I was just axing away, trying to level out this very hard, difficult ground. And now you can see it's finished all the way down to the tile, ready for uh, widows to move in. Um, this is something that wasn't there when we were there a year and a half ago. This is a uh, solar-powered heat uh, water heater that delivers running hot water to each one of these units. And um, uh, tell them what's on the left. That's you. <laughs> no, I'm on the right. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> on the left. The left is the bathroom. But they, they see me on the left. Right, okay. It's the bathroom, which has... A modern shower at a modern faucet because there is hot and cold water running in this widow's unit. Very few houses in Guatemala have hot water like this. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, the other one, which uh, is on your right and is on, or I guess it's on my left, on, on your right, whatever. Um, uh, this is special to me because when we were there a year and a half ago, this was just footings. And Holly Glover and uh, Matt Smith and some of their team were just working on the footings. And now you can see it's completely finished other than the inside finishing things like the tiles that need to be put together. And so it's really wonderful to see how it's all starting to come together with volunteer labor that's been coming down over many years to put this farm together. Uh, this is the one widow that is currently living um, on the farm. Uh, her name is Gloria. And I'm going to uh, ask Ellen to tell you a little bit about her two children and the situation that Gloria is in apart from the assistance of Send Me. Okay, this is Oscar, Gloria's son, Oscar, that's 12 years old, that we saw at the therapy place. And then um, her daughter, Anna Guadalupe, um, she's nine years old. So Gloria lives there with the two kids. Um, if you've been to the farm, you know how challenging it is to get up to where she is. And um, I think you'll show the picture later, but what she does to get Oscar where he needs to be is amazing. Um, but uh, she lives there pretty much, takes care of everything by herself. She's the main caregiver. She had two husbands who both have died in uh, tragic circumstances. Oscar is a full-time job in and of himself. Mm -hmm. And then Ana Guadalupe is, uh, Gloria is a very simple person, and so it's a very challenge for her mm -hmm. even as she raises Ana Guadalupe. Um, here she is uh, leaving yes. the King Jesus Therapy Center, and this is what Ellen was describing she has to do uh, with Oscar. Yeah, she. I watched him, her put him on her back. I mean, he's good size, and take a blanket, wrap it around, tie him on, and that's how she carried him around. She left there going to do her errands, get on a bus, and get back to the farm. Um, she goes once a week for therapy. He's there for once a week, and I just can't imagine doing that every day, but she does. Her circumstances are overwhelming. They're just overwhelming. And without the ministry of Send Me, um, where, where would she be? Uh, they are very much meeting a tremendous need. And then um, having this wonderful Christian example uh, throughout the entire town, because as we were there, we were the only white people we ever saw. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and so the rollers now are there full time as they're serving God. Um, when we went out to the countryside, uh, this little country church, and they had a little uh, children's program for us. So these children sang for us, and then they quoted um, an Old Testament verse, and uh, when they got to the word pastor, I knew they were quoting Psalm 23.1, the Lord is my pastor. And so uh, we were just delighted to have these kids there. Um, here is uh, their leader, a very capable woman by the name of Rosa, but she has no resources. And she came to the conference, and we put resources, they put resources into her hands. And as uh, George and I were talking about, um, one of his burdens now, as they do the Jesus film in the schools in, uh, in, in the county of Quiche, he wants to do follow-up. And so we were wondering, he was talking about, what, what are the resources? Well, one of the things we discovered, and this is a, an amazing thing, Child Evangelism Fellowship is the number one organization in the world that does follow-up with the Jesus film. And they are in Warrington, Missouri, which is an hour and a half from where the rollers live. And the next time George is back in the St. Louis area, he's going to be making a trip to Child Evangelism Fellowship headquarters to learn from them the resources that they have that they can use as follow-up as they go out and show the Jesus film in all of these schools uh, across Kiche. Uh, these children look very healthy, don't they? Uh, one of the things George would like to do is uh, hire a full-time nurse to work with the therapist, Rolanda, because out in the countryside, most of these children uh, have a very poor diet, and many of them have worms. And so they look very healthy, but they're not. And he would like to have a nurse working full-time who could take medication on these trips and treat these children for worms as well as other needs uh, when they come to uh, the therapy center. Uh, George is always thinking ahead. And uh, there is uh, some parcels of land south of town that uh, the government is developing they put in the roads, they put in the sewer, they put in the water, they put in the electric. And this is a two-acre plot that George would like to purchase for $40,000, build a three-story building, and bring all of his ministries under one roof and possibly uh, start a, an orphanage as well. And so um, uh, here we are with the kids at the uh, bottom of the land, and it would be just a wonderful location for all these ministries. Uh, this picture was very important because it also includes the truck that we helped him buy, a uh, mar uh, Marinda? Yeah, Marinda, I think it is. Uh, uh, it's a, uh, 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 a four-wheel drive diesel. One day, uh, it's a 2017, one day we drove uh, up into the countryside and we went just straight up for an hour. George must have estimated it was over 1,500 feet that we drove straight up. Um, the next day, Ellen had a little bit of altitude sickness. and uh, so. Um, but uh, this truck just really meets their needs. It did everything that they needed. And they're very grateful for the money that we raised. Um, here we are setting up for the, the Jesus film. And uh, one of the neat things about the Jesus film is they can do it in Quiche or Spanish depending upon the needs of the audience, whether it's adults or children. 
And uh, I couldn't help but take a picture of these little kids as they were waiting for the film to start. Uh, and uh, I tried the very best to get to know each one of their names. But this was in the bottom of that large downtown church in the basement in this really nice little children's area where we showed uh, the Jesus film for kids, which is so effectively done. And then afterwards, Maria, the pastor's daughter, um, gave an invitation to the children and, uh, and invited them to uh, come to know the Lord Jesus. And so it's added a wonderful um, ministry of evangelism to uh, all that Send Me is doing. Well, let me give you the last um, point that we learned, and um, this one is very wonderful as well, and that is that God is sovereign in the details of our lives. Um, This wanna that did our translating, and let me just share these verses with you. Um, Here are just a few of them on the sovereignty of God. But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever He pleases. Psalm 115.3 Isaiah 46.10 I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. And then Ephesians 1.11 in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. And if you say, what is the sovereignty of God? Well, I think it's very well defined there. The sovereignty of God is that God works all things after the counsel of his own will. And one day as I was learning Juana's story, um, they threw me right into the mix on Saturday. We got there Friday night at 9.30. Saturday we were speaking uh, for the very first time with a translator at, uh, at, at noon. And um, I was quite nervous. You know, I'd never done this before. George said, you need to realize they're all at about a second or third grade level. And I thought, how am I going to do this? But Juana was so uh, calm and so confident. She had not done this a lot, but she had such tremendous composure. I found out later, I think she may have been more nervous than I was. But she speaks three languages. Uh, She's a native K'iche' speaker. Uh, When she was eight years old, her family came to the U.S. illegally and stayed for nine years. And while she was in the U.S., she'd had very little education. She learned English first. And then she learned Spanish next. And she can go from one to the other. In fact, at the conference she said, I'm going to translate in Quiche. By the way, it takes 80% of the time to translate in Quiche. So I would speak and then listen. And then she said, what I'm going to do next is I'm going to summarize everything that we have just translated into Spanish. And so she's a remarkable person. And I said to her, Juana, have you ever thought about the sovereignty of God in your life? The government, after nine years, said, uh, you need to go back to Guatemala. And she said, both my parents were working. We might say, well, this is a family that maybe that was a mistake. But I said, look at how God brought you to America, prepared your life, and then took you back to Guatemala. And now you are the key person with Send Me. She goes everywhere George goes, because without him, he does not have a voice. And of course, she didn't know what the sovereignty of God meant. She had never really heard that. But she said to me, yeah, I can see that in my life, how God has used the events, even the difficult ones, to prepare me for what I'm doing now. And then I want to close um, here with something that uh, Pastor uh, Andrea, uh, Adrian said to me. 
Um, he uh, connected with me on WhatsApp. And I just want to read this for you because here again is how God can work in difficult circumstances in our lives if we will give our lives to Him and follow Him wholeheartedly and allow Him in the hard times as well as the good times to shape our lives. Here's what He wrote to me. We were so disappointed that we lost our flight. But the more I think, we really think it was God allowing us to meet you. We are amazed by the little things and details the Lord allows into our lives, like meeting brothers in Christ and to get encouraged after having a bad morning. We have been, by the grace of God, planted one church in Santiago and another one in the town of Santo Domingo. And please give the rollers our information. And we hope to meet them and you guys again as well. And what an amazing thing that an accidental meeting early in the morning in the airport of Guatemala City turned out to be a blessing to missionaries who were planning to go to Mexico to meet her parents' family for a time of vacation. It all got canceled, and yet they met us, and in a few moments we were able to share the love of God with each other and encourage each other, and they know of others now who are ministering in Guatemala. And they saw it all as the sovereign hand of God and went away encouraged. And we did as well, as we saw the sovereignty of God in our lives and in the lives of so many. Well, let's pray, shall we? And then we'll conclude with our concluding song this morning. Father, we thank you for the things that you teach us when we make our lives available to you. We thank you, Lord, that you are the ever-present and living God and that you have a plan for this world. And you have saved us for a purpose. And that purpose is to represent you here and then to take the needs of the world upon our hearts and in the ways that you call us to offer ourselves that indeed your ways and your salvation might be made known amongst the nations. Lord, uh, bless these people who were so gracious to us. Uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, speed along their ministries. Thank you that we were able to be an encouragement, which is one of the most important things that we wanted to do, and, and help them um, in their ministry and in the people that uh, they love and are so devoted to. And encourage our hearts as we serve you in the difficult times as well as the good times, knowing that every detail is under your control. You make no mistakes and you know what you're doing. We love you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.